0: Thanks for listening to the news live on WBEZ and NPR. The WBEZ stream sounds great in the kitchen on your smart speaker and anywhere on the WBEZ app. Listen every day.
1: What's up, Chicago? I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. This is the Argyle Night Market. It's a street festival that happens every Thursday between July and August on Argyle Street in Uptown. The market is like no other market I've experienced in Chicago. And that's Ronit Bezalel. She's an artist and filmmaker. If you saw the award-winning documentary, 70 Acres in Chicago, Cabrini Green, Ronit created that. In her new photo exhibit, though, the Argyle Night Market is a main character. There's Vietnamese lion dancers, Pacific Islander musicians, and youth circus
0: performers. They might have funk, they might have disco, they have dancing. And
1: people are just connecting. Ronit is the type that brings out her camera whenever she's inspired, but the folks and scenes she captured at the Argyle Night Market last year are what prompted this most recent exhibit is called Faces of Argyle, and you can see it at Everybody's Coffee in Uptown. Ronit worked closely with her friend and fellow artist, Reva Lehrer, to bring Faces of Argyle forth. Ronit took hundreds of photos, and Reva curated the 26 that would bring the exhibit to life. After seeing it and learning more about their work and lives on the North Side, I've been so geeked to talk to Reva and Ronit on The Rundown. Reva starts with her own reasons why the Argyle Night Market is so special.
2: Edgewater and Andersonville have a lot of festival sort of events, but they're all highly commercial. Um, It's not that there isn't a commercial aspect to the night market, but it's definitely secondary. And I think that it, because there isn't the pressure to buy things the way there is a sidewalk sale or a pride festival or something. You get more of a mix of people who feel, you know, people with lower incomes, people with higher incomes, um, they're not coming feeling like they have to walk away with an object in order to be there.
0: And speaking to the non-commerciality, I think that's a very good point. I know that the night market is supported by grants. There's a D-CASE grant, and I think the Illinois Arts Council grant. And it is a mission to make it available to anyone from mm-hmm. all social and economical backgrounds. Yeah, And I think what made it special in 2022 was that we were emerging from the pandemic. Mm-hmm. We were emerging from states of fear and masks. You know, people were still wearing masks, but there was a, we were isolated and this yeah. was even more acute because it was bringing us together. It was something very, very special. Yeah.
1: Of all the scenes that, I mean, I know, you know, from what I understand, you're that you're that photographer who, you know, gets inspired, (laughs) you know, kind of spontaneously. And of all the scenes that inspire you to bring your camera out, um, why this place for this project?
0: I think for the reasons that I've talked about, and I also think the light, light is very important to me as a photographer, Mm -hmm. I shoot without flash, and it is the magic hour where this golden sunlight from the West is streaming on Argyle Street, really illuminating everything and everyone, creating an even more of a sort of magical aura to the place. And I just stepped in. I was at the first, you know, it's every Thursday, and last summer I was at the first one on July, and I was like, this is incredible. I really... As an artist, I, I'm very interested in community and how we bring people together, how we bring communities together, and I just thought, I really want to document this. I want to document all the people that are sitting around the stage on these red chairs, waiting for the music, listening to the music, dancing to the music, the people that are eating, the people at the beer garden, you know, just people walking around. And so it was just something that was very captivating to me.
1: Yeah. Riva. There were hundreds of photos um, that Ronit ended up taking when you started to look through all of them, even before you, I don't know if you always have your curator brain on, (laughs) but even before you started to think about the curation um, component, what were some of the things you were seeing, things you were feeling um, and themes that you really started to pull out? What really knocked me
2: out was the obvious trust that the subject's had for Ronit, Um, there's something about Ronit where people just respond in a trusting and open way. I've seen her go up to people and ask if she could take their picture. And there's something very disarming about her presence. Most of the time people seem obviously charmed. And I mean, I'm a portrait artist myself in a completely different direction. And so I see what it is she's doing, and I think it's
1: tremendous. Yeah, and just ran through all those photos. (laughs) So many. I mean, because it was close to a thousand, right? Yeah, she
2: didn't dump all of those. Okay.
1: Okay. (laughs) You did some, dear. Okay, did some (laughs) pre-curating there. Okay, pre-selecting. So, thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah. Nice, nice. Um, so. Riva, as you did start to to get into the curating component, what were some of the things you were thinking about prioritizing when you decided what to include? Well,
2: what Ronit was pulling were um, mainly traditional portraits, so people looking dram- directly at the camera, full face, you know, beautiful detail, wonderful expressions. But I know from years of curating and and going to shows that. If you uh, have an entire room full of faces where the format is pretty much the same, people will numb out really fast.
1: Mm.
2: So I didn't want people to stop experiencing the impact. So I started looking at um, you know what we called the action shots. Uh, and I think Renée was surprised at first that I wanted to include them. I think you had pulled maybe two of them mm. that you really liked, mm-hmm. but. We started looking for more of them. And so the point was to have something like a visual palette cleanser in both directions.
1: Mm. Ronit, there's a photo that I really loved called A Moment in Time. And um, the subject literally looks like you caught them in the middle of an emotion, and when I looked at that photo, and it looks like you're trying to pull it up <laughs> right now. I am trying to pull it up. Um. It's it's a um, like masculine presenting person um, who they have their hand on their head, kind of I think, or something.
0: Yeah.
1: Or they're kind of looking off to the side in a way, and it when as as soon as I looked at it, I thought of the words joy and pain because their face could be either they could they look like they're about to have an intense emotion whether it's like anger or sadness um but it could also be a joyful like tears of joy it feels very candid um it feels like they didn't know that you were going to snap that photo in that exact moment um they were not posing and i wonder if you have a preference for one or the other if you prefer candid or versus posed uh, staged photos that's a great point
0: um You know, I think it's a bit of both. The thing I like about staged is I do like going up to somebody Mm -hmm. and making my presence known and asking them to look directly in the camera and capturing. There is an intimacy when you're there and they know you're there and then you get a bit of their story and you're seeing them and they're seeing you and it creates something. I think both are great. Candids can be great. But I'm drawn to the posed where, you know, there, there is that interaction. Mm. But the one you talked about, yeah, that was a candid shot. And I think a lot of the photos, you know, there's an emotion. You may not know exactly what the emotion is, or they may be multiple emotions. And sometimes it's our own projection. We're projecting where we're at onto the other person, and there's an interplay and a dialogue there.
2: I'd love to hear Renee talk about when she's gone back to show people their their photos, the reactions are really strong. As two people look at each other and the person lets himself be seen and they're looking at you as, you know, it's a cyclical looking. Mm. I think that that's transformative.
0: Yeah. um, The project is ongoing. What I first did is I went with prints of everyone that was, take uh, had their photo taken last year. I look and I found them a lot of people they've returned this year and gave them a copy of the print Mm. and then took their picture holding the print and there was people were really happy both to have the portrait taken but to have a physical print it's not something we have anymore and walking away with it and then what happened is people now go up to me all the time and and repeat repeatable can you take my photo there's one woman And she's in the uh, Faces of Argyle. She's a white woman. And she's got like four teeth that stick out and uh, gray hair. And she's such an amazing face. And she went up to me and she's like, I want you to take a photo of me and my boyfriend. And she found her her boyfriend in the crowd, dragged me there. (laughs) He kissed her on the cheek. It was so beautiful. (laughs) And she's like, I I want the pic. I'm like, well, I've got to go and get it developed. And uh, you don't, don't have it right now. The next week, literally, she found me from across the aisle, poked me on the on the shoulder and said, where's my picture? <laughs> I'm like, I have it. I have it. No worries. No. And then her friend wanted a picture and her friend is 70 and wanted to make her. She said she wants to look young. I'm like, I'll do my best with Lightroom to reduce the clarity. So look she young. needs
1: you, Reva. You can you can draw her a nice young looking picture. <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody's
0: got their image that they want and now so what's really cool in terms of what Reva talked about transformative people are empowered they're telling me exactly what they want and how they want to look I'm doing it it's great and it just so I feel like I have all these friends now at the night
2: market
1: yeah that's so beautiful um I I know that uh that you did get to know a lot of people. Um, Can you talk about some of the relationships that you've, that you've Mm -hmm. built? I think one
0: of the strongest ones is a woman named Florine. And her portrait is very, very striking. She is a beautiful woman and it's hard to determine her age. You know, she might be 40, she might be 50. It looks like she's had a hard life. Mm. She's got wrinkles on her face. She looks like there's pain she's endured but there's a spark there's something there and she's got the most brilliant like blue eyes and this is in black and white but they still come across um, and I went up to her and I said you know can I take your photo and she was like I'm, I'm ugly I don't know and I said you're beautiful please you're so beautiful mm. and she said okay and her portrait is one of the most, I mean, when I look at it, I talk about there's, there's pain, there's a life well lived, there's beauty, there's everything in that portrait.
1: So I know um, both of you have been working and living around this Edgewater, Uptown, Andersonville area for decades now. Um, I wonder if you can talk about what you love about the community. Um, describe the community. What What does it really feel like for you to be in this area of Chicago? I'm from Cincinnati,
2: and I moved here originally in the early 80s, and Cincinnati, when I grew up, was incredibly segregated, and not only was it extremely segregated, it was not an international city at all. You had white people, black people, a very conservative city, and The first time I went to, I think it was Boston, and I saw people from all over the world and couples of every possible combination. Mm. And I felt this intense joy that the world wasn't Cincinnati. Mm -hmm. And I've lived in a few areas here in Chicago, but I love Edgewater um, and my studios in Uptown because it reminds me always of that experience. I mean, Chicago has its incredible, difficult, segregated problems, which are immense. But in Edgewater, Uptown, it lifts my heart. Mm. Um, I don't want to ever live somewhere that reminds me of the way I grew up.
1: Yeah, Ronit, how would you talk about your community?
0: Um, it's very similar to what Riva said. Um, I grew up in Vermont, which is very white, not very diverse. And then I lived in Montreal, which was segregated by language. And I noticed the segregation in Chicago when I moved here in 1994. Uh, And it was very disturbing to me, the racial segregation, economic segregation, and the fact that people weren't really discussing it. It just wasn't, Mm. it sort of accepted, but not talked about, at least in the circles that I was in. And I love when I'm in Edgewater or Uptown, there is such a economic diversity, racial diversity, um, language diversity. Mm -hmm. You can be walking and hear all kinds of languages and just feels good and feels right and feels like it should be, um, that we're integrated, you know, things are not perfect by any means, but I like the feel of it and I really value this. And I think it's, it's very special and very precious.
2: I think a lot of people in our neighborhood have feelings like that. And when stuff happens here that looks like it's pushing it in more of a, um, development um Mm. direction there's a lot of pushback not enough and we need so much more affordable housing but i do get the sense that there is a value for a lot of people here Mm. in keeping the neighborhood um welcoming just welcoming so i i don't want to romanticize the neighborhood it's got problems it's really got it has problems, but compared to places Ronnie and I have lived, we'd be people who would try and keep it
1: open and flexible. Mm-hmm. With Faces of Argyle, what story are you hoping to tell about the people and the place um, that is that is Uptown?
0: I think there's many stories but one thing is the word resilience comes to mind. Mm. Us everyone. The resilience that we have inside as a world we weathered and we're still weathering COVID isolation. Everyone has a burden that they carry whatever it is we don't always know. But when we can come together and celebrate and tap into the joy that's also there, I think we build each other up and we get that much we're that much stronger and so I want people to walk away with something positive Mm. and strength that we've endured something and we continue to endure it but we can also come out the other side.
1: Ronit Bezalel is an artist, filmmaker, and the photographer behind Faces of Argyle. Bernit, thank you for being on the rundown.
0: Thank you so much.
1: And Reva Lehrer is the exhibit curator for Faces of Argyle. Reva is also an artist and a writer. Reva, thank you for being here. It's been terrific. Thank you, Brett. Yes. The Faces of Argyle installation is located at Everybody's Coffee, which is on Wilson Avenue in Uptown. It'll be there through the end of this month. Go check it out. And the Argyle Night Market also runs through the end of August. Only three more evenings this year. It takes place over the next three Thursdays starting at 5 o'clock. And that's it for today. Thank you to Justin Bull and Sarah Stark for producing The Rundown and to Ariel Van Clee for editing the show. Haley Bloomquist was the engineer for this episode. Our theme music is by Louis Weeks. The Rundown is produced by WBEZ Chicago and is a part of the NPR network. If you love the show, please rate and review us. It helps more people find The Rundown. I'm Erin Allen. Thank you for listening. I'll talk to you tomorrow morning.